Love a Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us please stand and affirm with the proclamation of the faith of our heart, the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again presented privilege to be in the place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you in the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The place of Holy Scripture that we will read is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the speed of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness. The right to set aside the former way of life to be clothed into a new way of life. This is our mutual and commanding commandment that continues to be revealed to us through the multitude of sermons or prophetic revelations of our pastor, Apostle Gaudi, in which we see three faithful, commanding, and fundamental actions to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. Answering these faithful questions, to set aside, to renew, and to clothe will determine whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or rather, will perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it? The deposit. The deposit is the seed. We are talking about the imperishable seed of the Word of God which is called to fertilize and to give birth to the kingdom of heaven in the heart of a person. So the seed is the word of faith. It is written without faith. It is impossible to please God. For it is necessary so that he who comes to God to believe, meaning to be affirmed. Therefore, the seed is the word of faith. 
and this is a rather difficult process that is tied to temporary sufferings. Temporary sufferings, where Apostle Paul writes that for a momentary and light is our suffering, it produces eternal glory and abundance when we look not to the uh, invisible but to the invisible. I just want to remind for our memory that these temporary sufferings they are contained in the span of all of our life. It isn't so that a person uh, doesn't suffer. He is born to suffer. A person is born for suffering. It is written. These are the words of Job. And sufferings are expressed first in the fact that those that have received a revelation that in us there is decay, uh, we have the law of sin and death that is why this decay, those saints that understand this truth, they begin to lay, to be weary, they suffer, and they're suffering in other things as well. That's why it's important that the deposit of salvation of our spirit, soul, and body for us to be able to renew, re, return it in fruit, to not lose it, because of which our names would forever be blotted out of the book of life. You know that there are moments when God says that I will not blot your name out of the book of my life. And there are times when he says, I will blot your name out of my book. I will blot you out of the number of my land. I will break you, for I am the Lord. People who have refused to place into circulation that salvation that God gave them according to a gift of grace in Christ Jesus, they refused to go from the category of the call to the category of chosen. They refused to leave infancy. And their names are going to be blotted out. Perhaps they were written there at some point, but they will be blotted out of the book of life. Why? Because they did not want to acknowledge the person sent by God into their life to acknowledge that order that God had defined and determined. They refused to hear that revelation that God, through this messenger, had spoken, that there is the old man that exists. There is that old beginning which we must refuse, as we had read, to set aside the former way of life, to refuse this and to collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ, or our faith with the faith of God. As we understand very well now that before God will overthrow the old man from our bodies, it is necessary for us here on earth to bind him in ourselves. Because the time for the judgment of God is approaching and nearing, and the time for the fulfillment of the sworn promise is also nearing. And for some, of course, this judgment is going to be expressed and that these people are going to receive a reward, a great reward and a great blessing because judgment is meant, firstly, to reward. And for some, this is going to be a great reward and to others, this is going to be a great uh, retribution of eternal death, eternal curse, eternal punishment. 
listening to a sermon of our pastor, Brother Arkady, he had noted a certain phrase, a very important phrase. He said, before we are going to see the clothing of our bodies, or rather we won't see in ourselves right away the clothing of our bodies, first we need to see the transformation of our character, the transformation of our image of thinking, our way of thinking, because many, just like Apostle Paul says, they don't want to take off, but they want to be clothed. They don't think that about the fact that it's necessary to transform or change their character, to see the fruit, the fact that you are becoming different. I'm not talking right now about us relying on that fruit that we see because, as we know, we can't rely on fruit or trust in fruit. We must trust and lean on the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus. We must always look at that root of justification or that rock from which we were hewn or that pit from which we were dug out of. But we must see the transformation of our character the image of our thinking. That is why Apostle Paul tells us to put to death the members of our body. Adultery, fornication, evil lust, idolatry, for which the anger of God is coming upon the sons of resistance. Furthermore, he says, set aside all things, anger, malice, wrath, filthy talking. This is referring to us transforming our character. And we know that this is not talking about the world. This is not written for the world. We understand that this is written to those that are saved. But those that are saved, not all of them want to collaborate with God because God offers one weapon. This is the cross. And they don't want to collaborate with this. As we heard, what is the cross? The cross, firstly, is not suffering. The cross is listening in obedience to the truth. And that's why it's very important when we begin to collaborate, when we become disciples, because Jesus said, the one who wants to follow after me, reject yourself, and only then take up your cross. We can't take the cross without having rejected ourselves, our own understanding, our own experience we reject ourselves and then we take our cross we take our cross and collaborate with him that's why it's necessary for us to be clothed in the mantle of a disciple and it's important this is what we do without without instruction in faith no promise can rise or resurrect in us there's only one way for all the promises to resurrect in us this is through instruction in faith as it is written for all the promises in Christ Jesus are yes and amen to the glory of God through the apostles. That's why it's necessary for us to continually be found and to fulfill the commandments, the commandments which we hear about. Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 22 through 23, where God says, If, if you carefully keep all these commandments, those commandments which we are talking about to set aside, to renew, and to clothe, these are very important, faithful, faithful, as Pastor says, faithful commandments, and they lay as a foundation of all commandments, because in them are contained the main truth. 
if you observe all my commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. So you are going to dispossess people, nations. This is talking about how God is going to cast out all of these tendencies, the character that were passed along through the vain life of our fathers. He will deliver us from flesh and from the vain life of our forefathers, from these sinful habits. And we, for many years now, for many years, are looking at certain parables, psalms, the hidden language of God, where God hides, where our pastor shows the conditions, the conditions and how and in what way, how the Almighty God can destroy in us the power of death in the face of the old man, so that with the noise, you can cast him into the underworld in the place of the power of death and to raise up the power of life or to raise up the kingdom of heaven in the dignity of the tree of life. And we, as warriors of prayer, because we are Israel, we are called to and need to, because this command is for Israel as warriors of prayer, to daily thank God that He has already delivered us from all of our enemies. And we list we list these enemies. We must we must know these enemies because the enemies which the Lord has already delivered us from. Let's look at what was given to us from our pastor. These are the highly organized powers of darkness under the head of the fallen cherubim, enemies which the Lord has already delivered us from. Let's look at who is a part of the list of these enemies. I do not mean that daily we list. Uh, we need to understand who our enemies are, but we can pray like David. And when David prays, for example, we have a psalm that is in our heart, Psalm 42, Psalms 142, 143. And uh, we know it by memory and in our heart. At the end, David says, Lord, deliver me from all my enemies and destroy all those that persecute my soul, for I am your servant. I am your servant. But David, in this psalm, shows all of these enemies, and pastor classified these enemies, I've noticed, according to their power. Let's look. take a look at six categories of enemies which the Lord has delivered us from, and we must know them, and we must thank God. He has classified them according to their might, to their power, and this are strong enemies, as he wrote. These are highly organized powers of darkness under the head of the fallen cherubim. This is first our flesh, over which the old man stands, who is the carrier of the program of the fallen cherubim, inherited by us from the sinful seed of our fathers. This is the personified flesh, as we say. This is our enemy. David says, Behold, I was brought forth iniquity, and in sin my mother gave birth to me meaning we are called to blot out the memory of this sin because we all were born with reigning sin, all of us. And therefore, 
God wants us to blot out the memory. He says, I will blot out the memory of Amalek and sin, reigning sin. This is a strong enemy, our flesh, and we thank God that God has delivered us according to His mercy. Furthermore, second, our enemy is our mind, and we are looking at him in the face of Saul, a stiff person who contends for God's position and resists the rational sphere of our spirit. We see that this is the, the cunning mind if it is not renewed, because the mind always attributes to itself all of the virtues of God, all of the gifts of God. And as we heard on Friday, Pastor said it's necessary to place our mind dependent on the revelation of Scripture, of the Word of God, which we hear. Must place it dependent on the preached Word so that our mind is not dependent on our own understanding or other people's understanding or our experiences. Furthermore, the next enemy which the Lord has delivered us from is our nation over which stands the world and all that is in this world and ruled by the prince of darkness, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is a wicked triad that is given to us through the vain seed of our fathers in the flesh that defines the essence of the old man, the lust of the flesh, the lust of um, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the Lord has delivered us from these enemies as well. Furthermore, this is the house of our Father contending for the birthright in our life and the authority that belongs to God. The vain life of our fathers, the vain life of our fathers, we right now are talking, often people mix these up and they say, my parents, my brothers, my sisters, they are all here. Why must I reject them? We don't reject those saints, parents, brothers, sisters, relatives that with us go out from Jerusalem where we have made a covenant of peace and received justification to Jericho. We don't reject them. We reject the vain life and together with them, although we have accepted this, we reject the vain life passed along from our forefathers, from that genetics, from those inclinations, that character, from those, from that fate, from those illnesses that were passed on to us. This is our enemy, and we are thankful to God that the Lord has redeemed us and delivered us from the vain life. If the next one, these are the wicked and lawless people who support the wicked and have filled congregations of saints. The Lord has delivered us from them. And sixth, these are the spirit of seduction under the head of the Prince of Mammon, taking the form of angels of light and pretending to be the Holy Spirit. Here are six categories of enemies which the Lord has delivered us from, and we must know them. And based, uh, it is deliverance from these enemies who seek to hurt us that we should judge that God is our deliverer. And therefore, today I want to remember the definition that our pastor gave to us uh, in Hebrew, who our Deliverer is, our Almighty God, in the name of God, Deliverer. Lord, you are my Deliverer. Deliverer is a leader of the covenant 
the Redeemer from the captivity of sin and death, the Savior of the body, the protector from the wrath of God, the restorer of inheritance rights, placing us as His hallow and safety, preserving our deposit until the appearance of Christ. I think all of these uh, prophetic revelations that are given to us by the Holy Spirit, we are affirming them on Fridays. Danik uh, is resurrecting in our memory that which was previously placed into our heart through our Father, our Apostle, Brother Arkady. And I also, before prayer today, am allowed to just remember to see, and I just want to see one sign and to verify. Given that we have already covered it, you remember it well. We have already covered, Lord, you are my deliverer. We took a look at the definitions of the name of God, deliver. We had looked at the, the purpose and once again had affirmed the purpose, and we looked at what price we are called to pay so that God can become our deliverer. And in our next service, how it will be, we are going to look at the signs. But one of the signs I am taking, there are going to be seven signs. I'm going to remember just one today before our prayer. And again, a question arises. How do we verify and test ourselves for the fact that God is truly our deliverer in the realization of our calling? We have heard a lot, we have covered a lot about the name of God to deliver. How do we verify? We are going to look at the other signs as well, but today let's look at one of them today. Because if we are not delivered from all of the enemies of God, those enemies which are the enemies of God, we will not realize our calling given that the enemies of God are our enemies. Sometimes a person thinks that if he has um, been hurt by someone, he thinks he's now my enemy, and he thinks that God is going to also deal with him in this way. No, we must not define by the criteria who are our enemies, but who are God's enemies, to know the enemies of God. And we have looked at these six categories of enemies. These are the enemies of God. And today, let's look at one of the signs. The sign by which we could define that God is our deliverer. This is according to the presence of the fruit of the Spirit, testifying that God delivered us from the hands of Pharaoh. Here is one of those strong enemies, and we must have evidence, a sign. Exodus chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom. For he said, Moses said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer. For he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. So if God is truly our deliverer from the sword of Pharaoh, then like Moses, we are going to have this evidence of our deliverance. 
in the fruit of these two sons, Gershom and Eliezer, we must have two sons. And with regard to this, we were presented three questions, and Pastor very, uh, very had fully looked at them. That's why we're going to read them. First, who is Pharaoh and his sword in our lives? Second, what role is the fruit of the Spirit called to play in our life in the dignity of the name Gershom, born to us from Zipporah? Or what is the significance of us having evidence that we are strangers in a foreign land? Third, what role is fruit of the Spirit called to play in our life in the dignity of the name Eliezer, also born to us by Zipporah? Or what is the significance of us having been delivered from the sword of Pharaoh? By answering the first question, who is Pharaoh and his sword in our lives? We should note that the image of Pharaoh in our life or in our essence is the rational sphere of our soul which we have not yet lost in the death of the Lord Jesus. This is our enemy, our mind, as we had read in the beginning, an unrenewed mind. The unrenewed mind of a person is a stiff enemy, a cunning enemy that contends for the place of God. This enemy, the mind, which never wants to collaborate with the new man. The mind of a person wants to understand God itself. It wants to interpret the word, the revelation that comes from the lips of God, but this is Logos. And we know that God has hidden and sealed this word from an unenlightened mind, and He will never allow an unenlightened mind or thinking to understand this word. He will not allow for this to happen. That's why an unrenewed mind is going to always call His thoughts the thoughts of God, his revelations, the revelations of God. Why? Because this prideful mind or this mind that has not undergone death, the death of Christ, it is tied to reigning sin, to the old beginning. And God's anger burns on those that have not yet delivered, been delivered from their soul in the face of Pharaoh, his mind and his sword. The image of the sword of Pharaoh is our tongue or our lips, which are not yet cleansed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. Our mind has a sword, our tongue, because of which these doors have not yet had a watchman in the dignity of meekness set in order to protect them. Let's look at how King David had prayed so that God could deliver him from the sword of Pharaoh, he was also afraid. He, it also was an enemy. Saul also had re represented this mind which he feared and that tongue which had come from it. Psalms 141 verses 3 through 4. Given the fact that right now we are talking about Moses, Moses had brought fruit in his two sons that I think this was also the prayer of Moses as well to God. Of course, this is also our prayer because we today take the prayer words and we proclaim them. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. 
Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. So in other words, it is necessary for us to protect our lips, the gates of our lips, so that another unclean can enter and nothing can exit. The image of the Egyptian land over which Pharaoh reigns, the mind reigns, is the image of our terrestrial body. We should note that if in Moses we view the image of our new man who contains the dignity of a king, priest, and prophet, then under Pharaoh we see the dignity of the rational sphere of our soul anointed by God to reign over our body. The mind that is anointed to reign over our body, just as Saul was anointed to reign for the kingdom. Pastor had said that in some way, the relationship between Moses and Pharaoh, they are identical between David and Saul. Just like in the case of David, we remember that until David had challenged Goliath and killed him, then between David and between Saul, there didn't exist any conflicts, any oppositions before this. The same thing Moses, until he came to protect Israel and did not destroy the Egyptians between Pharaoh and Moses, there didn't exist any conflicts. But what happens in us? until our new man in the face of Moses challenges our Pharaoh in the face of this Pharaoh then between our new innermost person and between our mind there are not going to be these oppositions, these conflicts because we know that if we remember between Joseph and Pharaoh there were no conflicts but as soon as we grew into the full measure of the stature of Christ, and as soon as we grew and came and were clothed in the powers of Moses, only then were we able to arise to protect the, our whole essence. When Moses began to protect his nation against the Egyptians, then between Pharaoh and between Moses, there was a strong confrontation that occurred, a strong conflict. And Moses, from fear, runs into the wilderness, into the land of Midian, from Pharaoh, away from Pharaoh, from his persecution. He runs away into the land of Midian and called it a foreign land. The Midian land was a foreign land and he hid in it. The Midian land it became protection for him. This land for us is also going to be protection for our new men. This, for example, we heard not long ago, David also had hid in, in the city Sikalag. This is the Philistine city where the Philistines were his protectors that, at, that were with him in that city. This is the first question that we understand well that we see well who Pharaoh is in our essence, who is an enemy, 
if this mind is not renewed, is not lost in the death of the Lord Jesus. But we have done this according to the mercy of God. Our mind is renewed. We renew it continually, daily. And given that the Lord has delivered Moses from Pharaoh, he will deliver us. Let's look at the uh, first, second question. The first question uh, is understandable to us. The second question, what role is the fruit of the Spirit called to play on our life in the delivery of the name Gershom, born to us from Zipporah in a foreign land? This is the first son of Moses. He had two sons, Gershom and Eliezer. Or what is the significance of us having evidence that we are strangers in a foreign land? And why did Moses call the land of Midian, where he bore two sons, foreign? And Gershom and Eliezer were born from Zipporah, the wife of Moses. All the images and events are given to us by the Holy Spirit, and what's interesting that we are called to see them in ourselves. All of these personas, each persona we are called to see in ourselves. This is that which today has overturned everything. For me, this is like a masterpiece of God in the fact that Pastor has taught us to see all of the truths, all of these images, symbols, which we hear about, to see them in ourselves, these truths that we hear. And Scripture has contained all of these images so that we can see ourselves in these personas because from some personas we need to be delivered and other personas we need to gain. These are like images. What are images? Images are certain revelations, truths, faith teachings, doctrines. They are those truths that we accept. And I will also say that clarity comes more and more from when we hear the word and also think. Sometimes certain images we don't understand right away. Sometimes symbols we don't understand. Sometimes we say, well, what is this? How do we unite this with that? We forget, well, what is this? So as pastor says, for us to gain this clarity further in understanding what image this is and what truth this is, it is necessary to hear and to ponder, to hear more. This doesn't mean that we hear just in church. I understand that we have a lot of opportunity today to hear continually. Uh, despite all of our cares and our labors, we are continuing to hear the word and to ponder upon it. And then everything is found in its place. These truths are uncovered, these personas. This doesn't become just a story, because if it remains just a story, then why did God give these precious revelations and truths. We right now are talking about the signs, how to see that the Lord is our deliverer. How do we see? And we must see that we have been delivered from our mind and from Pharaoh and from uh, his sword, our tongue. And so Gershom and Eliezer, they were born from Zipporah, the wife of Moses. The name Zipporah means bird. This is the ability upon being in the terrestrial body to accept and be a carrier of unearthly information. To gain this information in ourselves. 
in the terrestrial body. Oftentimes a person says the terrestrial body is a sinful body. No, the terrestrial body is not always sinful, and the sinful body, it is always terrestrial. This we will see further on. Pastor very well had explained this. Considering that in the marriage of Moses and Zipporah, they were one body, Moses, in his spirit, had the ability to be fertilized by the seed of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven, from which he grew the fruit of truth in the face of Gershom and Eliezer. And we can grow it only thanks to faith, only thanks to the faith of God. This is an image. Our faith Our faith is the genetic organ of our new man, which is capable to gather God's revelations, seed, to receive this seed, and not just to gather it in oneself, but to also carry it, and not just to carry it, but also to pass along. Pastor had said what it mean, what the faith of God means, and what our faith means, and how to collaborate. We are talking right now about how Moses and Zipporah, given that they were in marriage, they were one, and we are looking at the image. We are looking at the image of our new man. What our new man is capable of, he is capable of accepting the seed, and not just accepting, but to also carry it within oneself. The seed, we mean the word of God, the word of faith, to carry it and then to pass it along. This is the preached word or unearthly information because Zipporah is a bird, unearthly information, the revelation of a heavenly origin. And so, why did Moses call the land of Midian where he bore two sons foreign? We look at when Moses was in the land of Egypt, he, according to the direction of God, called the land of Egypt the Lord's. In the Midian land, he said, this is a foreign land the land of Egypt, this was the land of the Lord. Exodus chapter 9, verses 29. So Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of this city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Imagine the Lord caused ten plagues in order to prove to Pharaoh that the earth, or rather the land of Egypt, is the Lord's. This is his belonging because Pharaoh had contended. He had contended to this body. So our Pharaoh mind, he contends for our body. That's why all that is necessary for us, that's why we continually hear about renewing our thinking, renewing this prideful thinking. And we, we can renew only through the holiness of the law. With the law, we die to the law. We look at that the land of Egypt is the Lord's. Furthermore, in Sinai, before God leading his people into the land of Canaan, gave Moses one command that became a law for Israel. Leviticus chapter 25, verses 23 through 24. The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession you shall grant redemption of the land. 
So in other words, we see that not just the land of Egypt was the Lord's, but also the land of Canaan. God says, this is my land, this is my belonging. And that is not all. When the Apostle Paul gave the church a precept for eating idolatrous food, he, according to inspiration of the Holy Spirit, called the whole earth with all its fullness the Lord's. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 25-28 Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience's sake, for the earth is the Lord and all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience, conscience's sake, if one says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you, and for your conscience's sake, for the earth is the Lord in all its fullness. Considering this relationship of God toward the earth, it truly becomes important to understand why does God call, why does God call the land of Midian foreign? Why does God call the land of Midian foreign? The land of Canaan is his, Egypt is his, and all the land, all that grows from the earth, he says, all is the Lord's. And we will see that the answer is contained in the words of God regarding the land itself, which we must pay special attention to. When the Apostle Paul spoke of the earth and all its fullness, he does not relate and does not connect it with man. He did not connect it with man, but he connects the earth with all that grows from the earth. He says all that fills it. The mountains, the hills, the forests, the fish, the animals in the forest. He says all of this is mine. He talks about all that it fills. But when God talks about his rights to the land of Egypt or the land of Canaan, he connects it to the people living on this earth, not from that which grows from the earth, but the people that live on the earth, Egypt, the Canaanites. Now, when it comes to the land of Midian, in which Moses had two sons, God, according to Moses, connects the Midian land with the Midianites and calls it a foreigner, which actually means that God, for reasons known to him alone, renounces this land as his property. In the same way as in the parable of Christ, when a certain category of people pretends or contends to be called the property of God because in his name they cast out demons and performed many miracles, to which they receive an answer that cannot be changed. Depart from you, you laborers of unrighteousness, I never knew you. You were never my land. You are foreign land. You are not my property and my belonging. And furthermore, when the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, the husband of Mary, he said that the son who will be born from Mary will save from death, sin and death only his own. So will save only the seed of Abraham. And also when Christ comes to rapture the remnant chosen by him, only those whom he calls his will be raptured. Take a look at how selective God is. Take a look. God is very selective in His choice. From this it follows that under the land of Midian, Scripture figuratively considers flesh and blood. 
in their current state, in which they cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven because the corruptible body cannot inherit incorruption. Right now, we are hearing on Friday, everyone heard the sermon of pastor, and there was a very interesting image about the foreigner. Give it to the foreigner in interest and do not give to your brother. This is the land of Midian. We see that flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Our body is redeemed, but in this state, it cannot inherit Therefore, when we on Friday had heard about the foreigner, he is of a different tribe. He also will not inherit flesh and blood. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. What is interesting is that when we place our salvation into circulation, the silver salvation into circulation, we must receive interest. And what this was comprised of, the silver salvation, to me, I begin to see it different in a different light. When he had shown that Achan had contended to a certain um, something that was hallowed, this was silver he had to place into circulation. Those were the Babylonian garments, the 200 shekels of silver, and the wedge of gold that was 50 shekels. All of this he had hid in the tent. This is that silver which he had to place into circulation. He died for this. And when we open up our sermon in the very beginning, the right to set aside the former way of life in order to clothe our bodies into a new way of life. This is the silver. And now I look at this place of scripture, the title of this sermon, and where pastor reads Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, because the Babylonian garments and the 200 shekels of silver, and the wedge of gold, 50 shekels. These are hallowed, hallowed unto God, which are contained here, contained in us. We look at this and we understand that it is necessary for us to set aside, to die to all, so that we can receive a reward. And what kind of reward will we receive? The reward is very great. The reward, God says, I will return the valley of Achor, and not just the Valley of Achor. So we've again we've heard these sermons, the Valley of Achor, he tithes to the Valley of Sharon. And there were the lost vineyards and the lost youth that he will return. A great reward. This we see the same thing. When Moses had placed into circulation, he had given the silver in interest when he had died when he died to Egypt, and when he ran away, he placed the silver salvation into circulation. And why? Because he looked at the reward. We today must also look at the reward. This will greatly help. When we look at the imperishable, unsearchable inheritance and riches that we have received. I veered off a little bit, so let us return to the context. Furthermore, a person redeemed by God from this earth and all places of its residence is a stranger and foreigner. So a stranger and foreigner. He will be in Canaan, in Egypt, in Israel, and also in the land of Midian. 
because the land is the temporary dwelling place of the person redeemed by God, and the constant residence of man redeemed by God is a new heaven and the new earth on which truth dwells. So why in order to have proof of deliverance from Pharaoh's sword, which represents in our lips the law of sin and death, we first need to have proof in the name of Gershom that the land of Midian is foreign to us. So we right now must see the sign, the sign that God is our deliverer to see this fruit, to see that we also have this fruit, that we are strangers and foreigners. When Moses gave birth to Gershom, he had said, I have become a stranger in a foreign land. Because as we noted that only being found in this perishable body, which represents for us the land of Midian, a foreign land, for God and for us, because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Because only being found in this body and living here in this body will be able to grow the fruit of the Spirit. Gershom, only here, only being found here. And of course, in, in a certain span of time for us, God gives a certain span of time for each of us, for us to have time to accept the seed of the kingdom and to grow it. In heaven, this is going to be impossible to do. This is possible only here in the body, in the foreign land, for the Lord and for us. The land of Midian is a foreign land, and we need to have this sign that we are foreigners and strangers. Because as we heard, when the perishable body is going to be turned into imperishability and our mortal souls will become immortal, it will be too late to grow. It will be too late to come to perfection. It will be too late to grow fruit of the Spirit. That's why the land of Midian, figuratively, it's like the protector of our new man. It protects our new man. It is the land of Midian being found in flesh and blood, because flesh and blood it is redeemed, but it will not inherit the kingdom of God. We must meet with Zipporah, the truth, to unite with this truth, to unite with this truth, because without her it is impossible, without it it is impossible to grow and to receive this fruit. Neither Gershom nor Eliezer, the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus Christ said, Know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's necessary for us to unite with this truth. And we, according to mercy, have this God's bird, this heavenly information in ourselves, in our new man. This heavenly information, these deep revelations which we hear today, these truths that we have accepted and not just accept and as pastor specifies we accept the truth and then we are called to know this truth because to accept it is not enough it is necessary to know this truth it is necessary to unite with this truth to unite with this truth and being found only in this body we will be able to be carriers of this unearthly information this heavenly information we have this faith of God. Again, our faith is the genetic organ of our new man, which is capable of gathering information. And the old man also has this organ, but he gathers different information. 
That's why it is necessary to collaborate. And given that we have the image of Moses and Zipporah, our new man, our new man gathers heavenly information. New man gathers heavenly information. That seed, that revelation that we hear today, we accept it in ourselves. We are carrying it in ourselves and we are passing it along to all cells of our essence. Furthermore, let us also again look at the land of Midian. The land of Midian is named after the fourth son of Abraham, born to him from Keturah, whom he took as his wife after the death of his wife Sarah. And therefore, God, considering the land of Midian, identifies it with the Midianites, who were in close union with the Moabites, and together with them, according to the teachings of Balaam, introduced Israel into the sin of debauchery and idolatry. That's why God had given this decree. Uh, we will read in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 through 8. An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assemblance, assembly of the Lord forever, because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, and Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam. But the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. You shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all your days forever. Do not seek or do not want their peace. Um, do not agree with that which flesh and blood offer today. Do not agree with this. Apostle Paul had said, I do not counsel with flesh and blood. You shall not abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. Edomites are the descendants of Esau, Edom. You shall not abhor an Egyptian because you were an alien in his land. The children of the third generation born to them may enter the assembly of the Lord. In other words, the land of Midian is not just our understanding that flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is also the fact that being found in this flesh, it is necessary for us to grow fruit, showing to God that we have died to the flesh. Because for the flesh, it always pursues idolatry. It desires some kind of satisfaction. But we must, as we know, consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God because we are strangers and foreigners. And so, just as the land of Canaan in the face of the remnant chosen by God from all the lands is the first fruit of God and the hallow of God, so the terrestrial body of man redeemed by God from the power of sin and death is the seed of God and the hallow of God in which the Holy Spirit lives. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 20 through 21. And of Gad he said, this was the seventh son of Jacob. Blessed is he who enlarges Gad. He dwells as a lion and tears the arm of the crown of his head. He provided the first part for himself. Because a lawgiver's portion was reserved there, he came with the heads of the people. He administered justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. And therefore the status of a foreigner and settler in the land of Canaan and the terrestrial body of a person freed from the power of sin and death in the first place has the Holy Spirit. Though he also here is like a foreigner, and here also like us is here temporarily, 
the Holy Spirit is temporarily in the perishable body. Yes, He comes to us as Lord, as King to us, but He is temporary here because He lives only in those bodies that could have accepted that heavenly information and unite with the truth, that knew the truth and brought these fruit in the format of these two sons, Gershom and Deliezer, and He lives in these bodies, these uh, terrestrial bodies. We'll take a look at how Pastor highlights this. First Chronicles, chapter 29, verses 14 through 15. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? These are the words of David. For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For we are aliens and pilgrims before you, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. At the same time, we'll bear in mind, Pastor Arkadi had explained it, that the terrestrial body is not always a sinful body, whereas a sinful body is always a terrestrial body. Let's take a look under what conditions. When we bind reigning sin in our body in the face of the old man, in our terrestrial body, the power of sin is abolished and the members of our body enter into slaves of righteousness. Thus, the Holy Spirit receives the basis to live in our terrestrial body as a foreigner until our body is transformed into a heavenly body in which he will remain forever. He is a stranger and foreigner because this is a terrestrial body in which reigning sin is bound. But when our terrestrial body is transformed to celestial, he will be eternal and he will eternally dwell there. Therefore, when the old man is bound, our body is no longer sinful. It stops being sinful. It is terrestrial, but is no longer sinful because reigning sin is bound. If it is sinful, then the Holy Spirit can't live in this kind of a body because it can't be a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, for the body to become a temple of the Holy Spirit, as we know, it is necessary to bind, to bind in ourselves the old men. And we know how to bind. When we give all the members of our body into slaves of righteousness through our pure, meek, and bridled lips. As we said, lay aside all anger, malice, wrath, and so forth, so that reigning sin does not rule neither inside of us nor in our body. As it is written, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. According to what was noted above, for the bodies to become a temple of the Holy Spirit, it is necessary to have knowledge and fulfillment of what is heard, so that reigning sin could be abolished and we could bind him and overthrow him from the throne. So first what we do is first we bind. We bind in ourselves and we abolish. On our end we do this. And God's role is to destroy it in time. When God destroys one with reigning sin, with a noise is going to be overthrown into the underworld. Romans chapter 6 verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. 
And so, the fruit of the Spirit and the dignity of Gershom, born of Zipporah, testifying that we are strangers and foreigners in a foreign land, is proof that we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, calling the non-existent death to sin as existent. So Moses had received this kind of evidence. We also have this evidence that we are strangers and foreigners in a foreign land because we have this fruit. When we say uh, we are foreigners and strangers, we have died to our nation in the face of this world. We have died to the house of our Father. We have died to all of our corrupt lusts of our soul because Moses had died to all three institutes of authority. When we read to Hebrews, it is said, by faith, Moses had left Egypt. He died to his nation in the face of this world. Furthermore, we further see, he writes, Apostle Paul, by faith, he did not, he no longer called himself a son of Pharaoh. He died to the house of his father and he died to his corrupt lusts. What lusts? He left the throne, he left all the riches, all the treasures of Egypt, all the sinful satisfactions. He had considered all of it, as Pastor Paul says, as rubbish, as nothing. He died to all of this, and he saw this, and he had shown this sign, this evidence, and had said, I am a stranger and a foreigner in a foreign land. Here on earth, we are able to demonstrate this, that we are strangers and foreigners, and according to this sign, God will be able to define that we are delivered from Pharaoh from our mind and from his sword. So if we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, this means that we have the fruit of Gershom. And this is the first son. And let's look at the third question. This is the second son. What role is for the fruit of the Spirit called to play in our life in the dignity of the name Eliezer, also born to us by Sipporah? Or what is the significance of us having been delivered from the sword of Pharaoh? Moses said, God has delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. The sword of Pharaoh is the tongue. Before this, he was greatly afraid. There was a strong uh, danger from Pharaoh. Pharaoh wanted to kill him. And to be delivered from the sword of Pharaoh in the subject of our tongue, which can both destroy us and give us eternal life. So only having given birth to Eliezer, Moses had received evidence and testimony that he had gained meek lips. As it is written, let's read in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 21 through 23. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The image of Eliezer, as we noted, is evidence that testifies that we have the fruit of meekness. This is a second sign that we have the fruit of meekness, as it is written, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Numbers 12.3 A meek tongue is a state of a meek spirit represented in the spirit of man as the tree of life bearing fruit twelve times and giving its fruit each month. 
A meek tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15, verse 4. So in the authority of a meek tongue is life, and in the authority of an unbridled tongue is death. You know, often pastors ask the question, asking, am I spiritual or am I carnal? I had asked this before. Many had asked this before. We had asked this question before. How do I verify? Am I spiritual? Am I carnal? And it's interesting that pastor answers. He says very easily, according to your lips, according to meek and bridled lips. If we are un, if we are very quickly ignited, angered, if our anger, wrath, malice ignites if this exits our lips quickly there's another category of people all of a sudden they grow quiet they carry this resentment you can't contact contact them in any way this means that we are ordinary carnal people because a carnal person is based on temporary emotions he is led by these temporary emotions spiritual does not depend on emotions therefore a person that has a meek tongue is a person who circumcised his heart and his lips with the miraculous circumcision that was made without hands, with which he tied the old man in his body and abolished his power in his terrestrial body in order to give God the foundation at the time established by him to convert his terrestrial body into a heavenly body. So right now we are talking about the sign so that God can see that He is our Deliverer when we say, Lord, You are my Deliverer. And it is necessary for us to show fruit, the fruit that He has delivered us from our Pharaoh, from our mind, and from this tongue. In other words, if we have accepted the promise and the seed of the adoption of one's body through the redemption of Christ and grown from this seed the fruit of the Spirit, so meek lips in the dignity of Eliezer, we have evidence of deliverance from the power of the old man, which is clearly written on the tablets of our heart. The tablets of our heart is our new man and our renewed thinking. So two tablets, so where we write and where God reads. Therefore, when our lips are going to speak, we can verify by our lips, and God can read this. He sees when we have grown these meek lips and we know that this is the highest throne in the body on one hand such a testimony the sign that we have gives God the basis at the time he set in the blink of an eye to change the human terrestrial body into the dignity of a heavenly body and on the other hand such a testimony is a guarantee that gives a person the right to meet with the Lord in the air very interesting truth at the end that we will look at the process of accepting and cultivating the seed of truth as the fruit of truth from seed to fruit in a strange or a foreign land in the land of Midian is extremely brief and very clearly presented and addressed by Christ toward all those who labor and are burdened take a look here very interestingly very interesting thought that pastor had seen Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. This is Christ turning all of those who today are found in the land of Midian. All those that have understood, who have remembered this image and understood 
that we all are in the land of Midian. The land of Midian is the image of that which our body is redeemed, but in its current state it will not inherit the kingdom of heaven because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. It is in this flesh that we are called to grow fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. First fruit, Gershom, that we are strangers and foreigners on this land. And the second fruit, this is Eliezer, that we have meek lips, bridled lips. And this image is in the New Testament also. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, those who are found in the land of Midian, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take a look at who God is calling. He is calling those who labor and are burdened. And we know it is not talking about the people of this world. This is not for the people of this world. Scripture does not write uh, does not write this for the world. And Pastor had highlighted and also to not all who are saved. This is not even to those that are called. Why? Because He calls those that are chosen. Right now, He is turning to the chosen. Why? Because God is not going to comfort the called. He is not going to comfort the called who themselves have refused the truth. They refused God's order. They established their own order. And that is why they began to call their will the will of God. How is God going to comfort them? God isn't going to comfort them because these people are disorderly. They have no faith. And that's why they refused. In other words, they refused to be disciples. And God will never comfort those who do not want to learn because we ought to be taught meekness. Moses said, The God of my fathers has delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. He delivered me from how through that which i i learned meekness has to be taught jesus also had learned i am meek and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy my burden is light it's necessary to be a disciple and we all are these disciples pastor had very clearly noted that if a person does not have knowledge through instruction in faith through instruction in the word and does not acknowledge that the soul can be lost and put to death he is not him who labors and are burdened because him who labors and is burdened this is the category of people whom the lord gave a special bliss these are those who are poor in spirit they are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are those that cry because the Lord has comforted them. These are the meek. They are the merciful. They are the peacemakers. They are those that are pure in heart. They are those that are persecuted for the truth. These are the people that are found in the land of Midian. Him, he calls these um, who labor in our burden. God will not comfort the wicked people and the lawless and the wicked, he prepares for them. He says, the Lord has made all for himself. Yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. So that nothing will happen to him, to this wicked, to this lawless. 
so that as a result he can pour out all of his anger and judgment. We talked about this already and not long ago we were conversating at our home group. I like when pastor teaches us, he truly teaches us truths and we have seen talking about the wicked and the lawless uh, we imagine people or perhaps somebody else devil but pastor has taught us that this wicked this lawless is found in our body and he said him we must uh, look after and keep until the day of doom so that he doesn't run away because if he runs away this means that God will not have the opportunity to then overthrow him into the underworld that's why we need to watch watch over this wicked take a look Proverbs last place of scripture and then we will pray Proverbs 16 verse 4 how Solomon writes the Lord has made all for himself yes even the wicked for the day of doom the day of doom therefore God looks over the wicked and he keeps safe the righteous many afflictions are of the righteous but the Lord will deliver him from all the lawless are those that do not want to be disciples they don't want to learn because as we read it's necessary to learn and the righteous are those are those that continue to learn calling themselves foreigners and stranger and we are going to pray now and we'll thank God that we have this sign that we have seen ourselves and that we are able to say Lord you are my deliverer why because I have this fruit I have gained this fruit to Gershom I'm a stranger and foreigner I have died to my nation in the face of this world to the lust of the flesh the lust of um, the eyes and the pride of life I have died to the house of my father I have rejected it. I thank you that you have rejected have saved me and delivered me from the vain life of my five my forefathers and I've died to all and not just this this fruit but we also have meek bridled lips this is also very important because in this way a person gains a contrite spirit this fruit Eliezer therefore we are going to wait for God has a time when he in the time established by him will turn our terrestrial body why terrestrial because it is already without sin you will say well the sin is there it is there but it is bound and we are ruling over it we have bound him and we are holding him and not giving the members of our body and to as weapons of iniquity and what we gave members of our body as slaves of righteousness this does tell us that at the time that God has established he is going to transform our terrestrial body into a heavenly body so we are going to pray and I just remembered at the end at home group we had spoken with some saints and remembered when pastor had talked about 
I think you remember this also, this place of scripture where he says, and so to the righteous it will be given on earth. And so even more to the wicked and the sinner, how will this be given? The righteous receives a reward then when God fulfills judgment over our body, over the wicked in our body, when the wicked is going to be cast out with a sound into the underworld. We know that God has appointed a specific day for He has appointed this day And when he and, and he and certain saints and our bodies will resurrect Christ. And the day is appointed and when God does this, this is going to be a triumph. It is going to be victory for the righteous because the old man is going to be cast out into the underworld with a noise and our perishable body will be transformed into a heavenly Today we can only thank God and to call the inexistent as existent, to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, to thank God that we are strangers and foreigners on this earth, that God has given us the right and the opportunity to hear these truths, to proclaim them, to rejoice. May you be blessed in this prayer. We will bow our heads or we'll stand. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your mercy, the right, the right that we have to gather here in your name, in your fear, before your greatness, before your word. We thank you that upon this place your word is magnified above all your name. We thank you that even in our bodies your word is magnified and we have become your servants proclaiming that which we hear today. We thank you that we are able to place this in our heart, our heart that is cleansed from dead works through the fact that we accept the truth, the word. We have united with the truth we thank you that you are our deliverer. You have delivered us from all of our sorrows, our afflictions. You have delivered us from our enemies and all those who despise us and all those who persecute us because we are servants before your face and we bow down before your word and before the mercy and truth that are always with us and that are in us. We thank you, Father, that we are strangers and foreigners in this land, that we have been able to gain these pure lips through the fact that we are continuing to learn that we are your disciples, that we are the disciples of your word. We thank you for this mercy which we have today because you have given us a father, you have given us a pastor, the person with good, meek, righteous heart. 
you have allowed him to pass along those truths that were once in your heart because these precious truths and those riches were in your heart and you would never allow it to be passed along to all but you gave it to Jesus and your son Jesus Christ passed this along to the messengers to the apostles and the apostles began to pass it along in the power of the Holy Spirit those revelations to all of those who were ready to learn and we today are found in this land of Midian where you call us as those who are laboring and burdened you want to comfort us in your word and we thank you that it is through our pastor brother Arkady that we are able to hear these precious truths where he opens and uncovers for us that we can be prepared to meet with you to be prepared to meet with you it is necessary to fulfill this commandment to set aside the former way of life to renew our thinking and we are renewing it continually in your word seeing new truths new boundaries and clothing our bodies into the new man we thank you that he has revealed to us how precious this place is how precious Zion is how precious the church is your church is a virtuous wife he has uncovered for us what narrow gates are and broad gates that the church that represents the virtuous wife only there we will be able to learn and to fulfill your commandments and your statutes he has taught us how to raise up an altar in ourselves how to build this altar and how on this altar we need to bring a burnt sacrifice here we were taught through all of these sermons and are continuing to learn how to pray it is continuing to teach us and we thank you that this word is living and moving that this word is magnified here upon this place and each time we come we come not to sacrifice but we come firstly to hear your word and this satisfies you this brings you pleasure you have said that when we go into the house of God for us to be ready to hear rather than to sacrifice and we are ready coming here to always hear this word we are ready to be rid of all thoughts and the rebellion thoughts that no longer come to us because our mind is renewed it has become enlightened it has bowed before a new man our lips are pure meek bridled we have brought our ears to contrition and inclined it inclined it and our ear has awakened to resurrection and life we were once in death but you awakened us and we today here we are ready to fulfill that word which you are speaking to us and we are thankful to you that each time we come we receive all of those truths and they more and more resurrect in our bodies and all of those images that we hear they today as truths are found in us and we clear 
see that which you want to uncover. We thank you for our fellowship. We thank you for that great reward that we are waiting for. That you have said that you have led us into the wilderness. You have brought us to your lips. You have brought us to the fact that we are going to speak with you in sanctification. You from the wilderness had said, I will return to you the valley of Achor together with the valley of Sharon. We will receive full and absolute satisfaction from fellowship with one another. Will you return our lost vineyards? The holy justice and lost youth. We thank you that today we are covered and we walk under the shadow of your hand. We are under the refuge of the Almighty God. You have said that I will cover you in the shadow of my wings to build up the heavens, build up the new man, and to affirm our earth, to affirm our body. And we thank you that each time we hear this word, however it may be, we are transformed, we are changed, and we thank you for each holy person upon this place. We thank you that all of the events, they are coming very close and soon, and soon will be that which each of us, that which each of us are waiting for. We thank you that your judgment will be fulfilled, the fulfillment of the promise will be fulfilled in the hearts of saints. We wait, desire this, and we continue to bow because you are Almighty God. You are our King, Almighty and Omnipresent God, and we worship before your countenance, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we'll conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.